Hello everybody, here we are. This is episode two of Unbashful. I'm your host, Nicholas Doucette, and before we get in today's episode, I just want to um, just quickly talk about the reception I've been receiving uh, so far from uh, from the from the podcast, and uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give any names in particular, but those of you who have reached out to me, you know who you are, and I just want to say when I get messages like that, it's it, that it, those are the kind of things that really motivate me to continue doing this. Like, obviously, this is not uh, successful yet. This is, like I mentioned, this is a a work in progress. Um, But the reception that I've been receiving thus far has just been absolutely incredible. And I just want to just lend a thank you to everybody that's, you know, reached out to me, written, you know, reviews, and and just lend some very kind words. Uh, Things like that have just, they've just really uh, helped me out. And they've really um, made me just that much more motivated uh, to continue this podcast and continue working my ass off to hopefully accomplish my long-term goals. Um, but anyways, with that out of the way, just wanted to quickly recognize that. <clears throat> um, in today's episode, we are going to be talking all about the upcoming NBA season. I'm going to give you guys my predictions. I'm going to talk about uh, my favorite teams, uh, my personal top 10 players of the league, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I'm really excited to get into this. The season is right around the corner. It's I think teams are already in training camp, if I'm not mistaken. So let's just get in uh, right into the first uh, topic here. And this is going to be the best teams in the league. We're going to divide it by the five best teams in the East versus the five best teams in the West. And then I'm going to conclude that topic with... Um, let me see here, with the top 10 teams in the league period. So <clears throat> just uh, give me one moment here. Okay, so here we go. The five best teams in the East. So I got the list uh, written out here for me just to keep my thoughts nice and organized and collected. So starting off at the East, and we'll transition to the West. And then, like I said, we'll conclude with the top 10 uh, period. So for the East, in no particular order, by the way, we have uh, first the Brooklyn Nets, um, then we got the Bucks, the Celtics, the Atlanta Hawks, and Miami. Those are the top five. Those are my uh, t- personal uh, top five teams heading into the next season. Now, starting off with Brooklyn, I think this is probably the easiest one. Anybody that follows basketball knows that they got arguably three of the best scores in the entire league. They got KD. James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. Uh, Beyond that, I think they're a very uh, good team as well. Like, there's a lot of teams that are very top-heavy. You know, the the starting five is is great, but, you know, what happens when they need to go to the bench and what happens when that second unit comes out? And I think they got a pretty good uh, bench bench lineup. I I heard they just signed Patty Mills. I think that's a very good pickup for them. Um, So, overall, they're a good team. Uh, I do think it was a loss losing DeAndre Jordan to the Lakers, which I'm going to get into. I think he's a kind of player, while he is older and he is on the, the higher trajectory of his career in terms of age, I think he still provides a lot of rim protection. I think he's still an incredible lob threat, and I think losing him was definitely a loss for them. And I'm not really sure why he was getting a lot of DMP, DMPs during the, the regular season and the playoffs. I know he did he did play some games, but I was genuinely surprised with how little they were playing him. Um, so I think losing him is not great. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see what they're going to do for their front court moving forward. Um, but overall, I think they're a good team. They got good pieces. They got Joe Harris. They got uh, obviously, like I said, the three headed monster. They got Bruce Brown. So they're they're a very deep team, and they're 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 one of the better teams in in the entire league. So. That's it for the Brooklyn Nets. Then we got the Bucks. Obviously, <clears throat> excuse me. Obviously, um, everybody knows the Bucks just won the championship. Um, I don't feel like they did a lot, or yeah, I really don't think they did anything in free agency. To be quite honest with you, I think the only thing they really did was lose PJ Tucker, and I think in my eyes, at the very least, that is a negative. <laughs> PJ Tucker was. Everybody knows he's he's a great on-ball defender, and obviously he's known for his uh, corner threes. Obviously, he's good at spacing the floor, and he can play good defense. So 
I think that's a loss for for them personally, kind of a negative. But you know, they still got Drew Holiday, still got Chris Middleton, still got Giannis, still got excuse me, Mike Budenholzer. Uh, they they still have Brooke Lopez, so they still got you know quite a deep team, Bobby Portis, and so on. So I think they're still one of the better teams in the East, and obviously they just won a championship. You know, a team that just wins a championship is not suddenly going to fall out of the rotation in the conversation in the league around who's the best and who's not. They're obviously going to be in that conversation. So that's it for the Bucks. They're uh, second here on this list. Sorry, when I say second, like I said, I'm not. Re- it, when it comes to the top five teams in each conference, I'm not doing them in any particular order. So, uh, but yeah. Anyway, so moving on to the uh, Boston Celtics. Now with the Celtics, I. I kind of thought this past season was, like, I'm not a Celtics fan, but from someone looking from afar, coming from a fan's perspective, I feel like they were a very disappointing team if you compare them to the prior season, especially in the bubble. Uh, I thought they played very well. Um, obviously, they, I think they lost in the, yeah, they went, yeah, they made it to the conference finals and they lost to Miami. Um, so, if you compare that to last season, I feel like that was kind of a disappointment, to be quite frank. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they were around the seventh seed uh, by the end of the regular season. And obviously, a lot of factors go into that. It was a shortened schedule. There was a, you know, there was a, you only had like one night in between each game. So you were constantly, you know, flying around. And it was, you know, it's it, it definitely just hearing that. Obviously, not being involved in it, just a fan, but just hearing that, I can just imagine the kind of toll that would take on players is like their energy because you got to think about it. You're constantly flying, you're traveling to different parts of, you know, the you know um, the country and you know different time zones, things, etc., like that. So that could take a toll on them. So obviously, you have to account for all those different circumstances. But nonetheless, they finished pretty low in the standings in the Eastern Conference, uh, considering with the amount of talent they have. I think they have one of you know, the best up and coming. I mean, he already is a star in Jason Tatum and they obviously they got Jalen Brown. So they got two really good cornerstone young players. I feel like there's no excuse for them to really be in the seventh seed where they were. So I feel like coming into this season, I feel like they're going to have a chip on their shoulder and I feel like they're going to come in with the intent on having something to prove. So they're, uh, they're next on that list. So that's it for the Celtics. Moving on to Atlanta Hawks. Now, Atlanta Hawks last season, I feel like, was that team that surprised everybody. And I feel like every NBA season, there's always one team that is like that. There's always a team that like people either just don't pay attention to going into the season or they just don't expect them to make the playoffs. And I feel like that that was the Atlanta Hawks last year. I feel like personally for me, going into last season, I I was one of those people I didn't really have very high expectations. Obviously, they have Trey Young. He's one of my favorite young uh, players in the league, but I still didn't really think they had enough uh, to really make a strong push in the East, especially in the playoffs. I, Quite frankly, I didn't even know if they were going to make the playoffs, um, So, but they surprised everybody, myself included. They made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals and won six games against the Bucks. so that is definitely something if you're uh, an Atlanta Hawks fan or uh, a player for the uh, Atlanta Hawks, that is definitely something you can build upon. They're young, they're hungry, and I'm sure they probably just want to pick up right where they left off and continue building from there. So, uh, and they're, like I said, they're a great team. Uh, they got obviously Trey Young, they got uh, Clint Capella, which I think is a very underrated big in the league. A guy that can just easily wake up, roll out of bed, give you 12, 15 rebounds a game. Uh, I feel like that is very undervalued in today's game. I feel like everybody just you know, looks for a, a big that can, you know, space the floor and just, you know, shoot threes so their team could just play five out. And while that is valuable, I think it's also nice to still have bigs that can just, you know, clean the glass and, you know, uh, have have a have a threatening presence in the paint, in the low block. So I feel like that is kind of undervalued in uh, today's game still. So I feel like he, um, and he's, he's a great lob threat too. And I feel like he is great for that team. Then obviously you have John Collins, who I'm going to actually talk about later. Uh, in another uh, topic here, but so that team is very deep. They got Kevin Herter, um, you know, one of the, the 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 young up and coming shooters of the league. So 
I think they're in really good hands. They got a great coaching staff. They got Nate McMillan. So I think they have a very bright future ahead of them. And I think they'll be one of the better teams uh, in the NBA this year uh, in the Eastern Conference, to, uh, to say the least. So that's it for Atlanta. Uh, lastly, we have Miami. Uh, Miami, similar to the Celtics, especially, uh, I, I feel like the same kind of narrative applies to them. I was very disappointed with how they played. And I feel like a lot of these teams that did very well the prior season and performed poorly in this past regular season, uh, I think those are the teams that kind of wreaked the repercussions of not only the shortened schedule, but if you look at Miami, they played in the NBA Finals, right? So they're a team that literally had a month off, a month off season, if you really think about it. So I think they were, it was it was probably just a collection of, you know, fatigue and obviously the schedule. So, but nonetheless, just statistics and in and, and seeding, they were quite disappointing. I think they had a better second half of the season, but they started off very poorly. They kind of brought it around, like I said, in that, in that second half, that's sort of like post all-star, you know, March, April, sort of, sort of a, a time frame. But um, they overall, I feel like they had a very, disappointing season and obviously they got swept in the first round by the team that they actually beat being the Milwaukee Bucks the season prior in the bubble so that is definitely a hard pill to swallow but like I said with the Celtics I feel like Miami is going to come in with that chip on their shoulder and everybody that follows the NBA closely knows that Miami has a culture and has a standard set for working hard and um, just grinding each and every day and you know, trying to perfect your craft. Uh, and that's actually something I, I really admire. And I try to apply those sort of traits to my own life. So I feel like with that culture, with that team, and obviously they added Kyle Lowry, I think that team is deep. They, obviously, they still got Bam. They re-signed uh, Duncan Robinson to a big five-year. I think it was five years, 90 mil. They re-signed him, re-signed Jimmy. Uh, they still got Tyler Hero. So they still got their young guys. Um, they did lose Kendrick Nunn, which... Okay, it's one thing that they lost Kendrick Nunn, but it's the fact that they lost him to the Lakers, which is very surprising. I did not expect, first of all, I didn't really expect Kendrick Nunn to leave Miami. I thought he was going to want to continue building himself along along with those younger players. I'm kind of surprised he left, but I'm also very surprised he went to the Lakers. But anyways, not to get sidetracked about, uh, about that, but um, like I said, with Miami and the Celtics, I feel like those are two teams that are going to come in with a chip on their shoulder. And I feel like they're gonna, they're going to come in with something to prove. And I feel like with a proper off season, a lot of these teams that struggled last year, where you can make the argument that they, in a normal season, they would have performed a lot better. I feel like now, fast forward, they're they would have had a full off season right now to prepare, get their bodies right, and ultimately be prepared for a full eighty two game schedule uh, for this upcoming season. So, actually, I might. Last time I checked, I do think that this season is going back to 82 games. I could be wrong, though. Correct me if I am. But anyway, so that is going to conclude the five best teams in the East. So now transitioning to the West. And like I said, in no particular order, we, the top five teams in the West, I got the Lakers, Denver, Phoenix, Utah, and Golden State. Now with Golden State, that was a tricky one because once I heard that Clay wasn't even going to come back from the start of the season. He's actually not going to come back till the till Christmas, if I'm not mistaken. That sort of made me kind of rethink like, okay, how are they going to start off? Because if it, if if Clay's not going to be there, they really didn't make any big offseason changes. They didn't really sign anybody as far as I'm concerned. Uh, didn't they lose? Yeah, they lost Kelly Oubre. However, I don't think Kelly Oubre really played that well for them. But overall, they didn't really make much changes to that team. Um, so essentially, they're going to start the season with almost the same roster that they did last season. And we all know that without Steph Curry, that team would have been probably dead last in the West, right at the bottom of the totem pole with Houston. Um so we all know that team is not good enough to contend for a championship or even the play-in. I think they barely even made the play-in last year. Oh, actually, no, sorry. Let me correct myself. They made the play-in. Uh, I know they they uh, lost the Lakers and they lost to Memphis, which I actually thought that they should have. I picked them to win that game. I was actually very surprised 
they lost to them. So I'm curious to see how they're going to start. However, the only reason why I still have them on my list is because I do have faith that when Clay Thompson comes back, if he could come back and not because it's hard to say it's hard to it's hard to talk about a player recovering from injury and say if he could be the same player. It's really tough to say that. If he can just be like 80% of himself, I feel like that is enough for that team to go great lengths and, and possibly make a deep playoff run. I don't know if I'm willing to go as far as to say championship contending. I still feel like there's room for that team to grow, especially in the front court. Um, and I feel like they need to get they need to kind of get some better wings. Um, so that's it for uh, Golden State. Um, or let me see here. Oh, sorry, I'm getting off track here. So yeah, um, so that's it for Golden State. Now we're going to move on to the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers, obviously everybody knows that team. Once that team lost in the first round, obviously... I feel like injuries had a huge part to play. The series was tied. AD went down. Bron wasn't even LeBron wasn't even 100% himself, and he was still, you know, giving you like 25 a night and like his usual 10 assists and whatnot. So he was still balling out while not even being fully healthy himself. But then once AD went down, I feel like that team just could not compete with Phoenix. Phoenix was younger, faster, more athletic uh, at that point when AD was gone. So I feel like once they lost. Rob Palenka, the GM for the Lakers, definitely knew that obviously health, like I said, had a factor. They need to be healthy. But I do feel like that team needed to make some personnel changes. And I definitely think that they got better, a lot better. Now, obviously, the the the, the common trend and the common meme that I'm hearing about the Lakers is, oh, they're old and yada, yada. I don't necessarily think that is, I feel like that's kind of like a lazy take. Now, when I say that, it's because, yes, they have a lot of older players, but I think people are also forgetting they do have some younger players. They do still have Tamlin Horton Tucker. They got Kendrick Nunn uh, uh, from uh, Free Agency. They got Malik Monk. They still have got, and they still have Russell Westbrook. Obviously, Russ is still like, you know, or he, he's like 33 at this point, but he is still probably the most, if not like top three most athletic player in the league. So I feel like he... he while he is 33, I still like he's still one of the fastest and most athletic players in the league. So, um, I yes, they're an old team, but they have literally all, the entire roster on that team has has pretty much won a championship or at least played in deep playoff runs and deep playoff games. So I feel like that team knows how to win. They got a lot of championship experience, and they do still have you know they they, they do still have a couple sprinkled in younger players in there. Now I don't expect them to be, you know, the best regular season team in the league. Now, I'm hearing a lot of people say, like, I heard Kendrick Perkins say, like, this team could win 70 games. I feel like you could literally say that about any team. I could come in the season and say, Sac- the Sacramento Kings led by DeAndre, uh, 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 De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley, that team could win fucking 80 games. Like, anybody can say that. Is it going to happen? Probably not. So, I don't think the Lakers are the Lakers. That team is not built for the regular season. I think any, I think everybody and their mother knows that that team is built for the playoffs, right? However, I think with Russ, I think that's the biggest elephant in the room. Personally, for me, I'm not the biggest fan of that pickup. However, I think with Russ's energy and by the way, excuse the uh, background noise. That's just my my sister in the background. But I think with Russ, if you do want to look at the pros and cons. Obviously, he has hasn't really had any success playing with other superstars. However, I think if he's going to do it for the first time with somebody, I think LeBron is going to be that guy because we all know LeBron is one of the best teammates in the league. He's obviously a, a really good playmaker. He loves to get his teammates involved, and he's not selfish in that regard. And I feel like he's come to the point in his career, and I feel like he's been at this point now for a while, actually. But I feel like he's at this point in his career. He's won four championships. He has four uh, um, uh, uh, four regular season MVPs. He has four Finals MVPs. He's got all the accolades for you know all NBA, blah blah blah. You know everybody knows he. He just wants to finish his career in these last couple of years, and he just wants to win another championship, keep, continue adding to the resume, right? So I think you're probably going to see LeBron take a back seat. He's, his points per game is probably going to go down. I think he's he'll probably, like, I, I could be wrong. These are just predictions at the end of the day. Maybe fucking Miami will be the best team in the league. Like, I have no idea, right? 
These are just my personal subjective opinions and, and predictions going into the season, but I feel like he'll probably be somewhere around 22 points per game, probably, I'm going to say six to seven rebounds a game, maybe even five, to be honest, because they did really improve their front court, like I mentioned in the beginning of the episode with DeAndre Jordan. Uh, he's probably going to be around five to six rebounds per game, uh, and probably like I'm going to say six to seven points. It depends who they run at the point guard position. Now, obviously, everybody always says LeBron is the point guard at the end of the day. You always see him bring the ball to the floor. But I feel like that if you're going to want Russ, Russ to fit in this system, you're going to kind of have to, you know, extend the leash a little bit, if you will, with that point guard position. I feel like he's going to have to probably run points. So I feel like his assists will go. I feel like, honestly, every statistical category for LeBron will uh, diminish a little bit. However, what that's going to do for him in the regular season is with Russ, we all know Russ, barring injury, the guy plays like every game at a, you know, 100 miles per second, right? So he gives it his all. He plays every game. And I feel like that's going to take a lot of pressure off LeBron. Maybe LeBron, you know, take a couple nights off if he wants, if he really doesn't feel like that extra game on a Tuesday night is, uh, is, uh, uh excuse me one sec. Sorry about that. But anyways, getting back to uh, what I was saying here, um, I think Russ, like I mentioned, I feel like he's going to take a lot of pressure off uh, a lot of those older guys, like those really older guys that are like 35, 36, like, um, like, like, like Carmelo, like LeBron and so on. So I feel like that team is built for the regular season, but or sorry, the uh, the playoffs. And I, I don't expect them to be like the first seed in the West. Uh, I don't think that would even be the the smart thing to do for them personally. I don't think they should be trying to, you know, run the run those older guys to the ground because at the end of the day, they are kind of old. Some of them, like you got Trevor Ariza, these guys have been around the league for a while. Um, but uh, but yeah, so overall, they're one of the best teams in the East. Now I feel like I've talked about the Lakers for a long time. Now let's move on to the Denver Nuggets. Now, obviously, everybody knows. I, I feel like I have to remind myself that Nikola Jokic has won the MVP. I feel like there's like, with everything that has gone on this year, there's been a couple times where like, I'd kind of forgot like he won the MVP for this past season, but nonetheless he did. So when you got the reigning MVP on your team, you're obviously going to be in in uh, in, um, in championship contention in some way or another. So you got him and then I think Jamal Murray will probably be ready uh, to, uh, to, uh, to come around and uh, play for them again. So they still got a good team, you know. They still they're still pretty deep. I I do definitely think they should try and uh, look on the trading block and try and upgrade in the front court position, uh, and and get some some more rim protection because I'm pretty sure they lost Mason Plumlee. Oh, they're sorry. They they lost him a while ago. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, and they lost Paul Millsap, which I think is is a very very uh bad thing for them. I feel like Paul Millsap, like the numbers don't like necessarily justify his value which is like a lot of players in the nba but i feel like he provides big minutes like he, he's a guy that only really plays like 20 minutes a night but when he comes in he hits big threes he plays defense he he's just he's a big guy on the court who can kind of do everything he's just a jack of all trades and i feel like losing not only that he's a vet i feel like with a team full of younger guys like michael porter jr uh jamal murray and a lot of those younger guys i feel like they it, it they, it's definitely going to be a loss for uh, for uh, for Denver to lose Paul Millsap. However, I still think with that team and that with that roster that they have now, I do believe that they still are uh, the uh, one of the top five teams in the West. Moving on to them, we got the Phoenix Suns. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, obviously, this team made the NBA Finals. Obviously, they lost, but they made the NBA Finals. Um, this is a team. It's crazy how far Phoenix has come. If you literally rewind. Two years ago, like two, three years ago, this team was in like the lottery. They were they were in the lottery for the past like decade. They were one of they've been one of the worst teams in the league as of recent. But this year was I, I think having Monty Williams and I think obviously bringing Chris Paul just brings a culture change that this this franchise and this team was in desperate need of because they really had no real voice, no person to, to to, to bring some accountability to this team. It was just a bunch of young guys all the time. Uh, and the teams just were, were pretty bad uh, these past couple of years. So I feel like having Chris Paul, while Chris Paul is old, he's still one of the best uh, point guards in the league. And I think with him resigning, 
Uh, I think that team is going to run it back with the same squad, and I think they're only just going to build upon from where they uh, left off last season. So I think uh, that's it for Phoenix. Now moving on to Utah. Uh, Utah, obviously, they got one of the best young and -and up-and-coming superstars in the league in Donovan Mitchell. Um, I feel like that team was very disappointing in the playoffs, uh, more specifically Rudy Gobert. Now, once... Now, if we look at the the LA Clippers series, the Clippers went in without Kawhi. If I'm not mistaken, or maybe Kawhi got injured in the middle of that series. It's either one or the other. Regardless, they did play the Clippers at some point or another without Kawhi Leonard and uh, and with Paul George at the uh, at the at the uh, at the at the helm of this team. So, and with no real injuries to Utah, you know, that you still got, you know, your role, you still got your role players, you still got, uh, you still got Royce O'Neal, you still got Joe Ingles, and, and obviously you still got your two cornerstones, you got Rudy Gobert and, uh, and Donovan Mitchell, I feel like that team, I feel like they should have looked at that as a real opportunity, and I'm sure they did, but I guess things just didn't work out, and I feel like they really fumbled that series, because that, that LA Clippers team, not only that, I think Nicholas Patum was injured for like a game. So that team was hobbled and somehow still managed to beat them. So I feel like they definitely need to, um, to, uh, to, to, to potentially, excuse me, stuttering here, uh, make some changes with that team. Not too much so, because at the end of the day, I think a problem, not to get sidetracked here, but I think a problem that a lot of teams, the NBA make is when they build these teams and they build these rosters, they only really give them about like a year to audition essentially, like to see if they can win a championship, right? And then they blow them up after a year. I feel like that is kind of wrong. I feel like you need to give a team honestly like three years to really show like what they're capable of. And uh, and I feel like for the most part, they should just run it back. However, a team could always improve, you know, in in, uh, in slight ways. And I feel like they should, you know, look down the, the line of the personnel and maybe maybe make some... Maybe make some depth, uh, some uh, some depth adjustments. Obviously, you got you know six men of the year, Jordan Clarkson, but I feel like beyond that, I can't really even name a guy or think of a guy that's on the bench for that team. Um, so just try to improve, try and build upon you know what happened last year, learn from their mistakes, and move forward. And so that is it for the top five best teams in either conference of the West and the East. Now let's round up this segment here with the top 10 teams in the league. So in this list, this will be in a, in a certain order, ranking from 1st to 10th. So I'm just going to take the teams that he talked about from both conferences, and I'm just going to mush them in this list, and some teams will be higher than others, some teams will be lower than others. So let's get right into it. Um, number one, we got the Brooklyn Nets. Um, number two, we got the Lakers. Number three, I got the Bucks. Number four, I got the Phoenix Suns. Number five, I got Utah. Number six, I got Denver. Number seven, I got the Celtics. Number eight, I got Golden State. Number nine, I got Atlanta. Number 10, I got Miami. So that is my personal top 10 list of, of, uh, of teams in the league. Feel free to disagree. Let me know how you feel about that or if you agree. Let's, uh, either way, let's have a conversation about it. Um, I'd love to know your guys' thoughts. Okay, so that's it for the first segment of the episode of Best Teams in the League. Now we're going to move on to top 10 players heading into next season. Now, I feel like a lot of people, I'm just already looking at my list. I know a lot of people are going to have a problem with my list. And you know what? That's okay. At the end of the day, this is all subjective. Everybody has their own opinions. However, I'm standing by mine and I'm not going to change them for anybody. But feel free to disagree, and I'd like to know why, or if you agree with me, perfect. Excuse me. Um, All right, so let's get into my top 10 players heading into next season. I'm wondering if I should start from number one or start from number 10, go from the bottom to the top. I'm going to go from the bottom to the top. Okay, so 10th place, I have Damian Lillard. Now, honestly, the 10th place spot was kind of the most difficult when I was sorting out this list because obviously Dame is Dame. Everybody knows Dame, right? But I've always kind of said, I, I, I don't know. I've always kind of like 
muddled this thought of like who's better between Dame and Kyrie. In the past, I've kind of leaned more towards Kyrie, uh, but I, I really don't know. Like right at this point, it, it's kind of tough. I gave the nod to Dame, but I was very tempted to throw Kyrie in um, that tenth place spot. Excuse me. Um, so I got Dame at ten. I got Joel Embiid at uh, ninth. Then I got Anthony Davis at eight. I got Nicole Jokic at seven. I got James Harden at six. I got Luka at five. Now I feel like this is where people are going to heavily disagree uh, with me. I got Giannis at four. I got Steph at three. I got Katie at two. And then I got LeBron at one. And I feel like People are going to disagree with me on... I feel like the majority of people are going to disagree with me on two things on my list. A, I have Giannis at four rather than one. Because I feel like a lot of people are just, you know... I, I I get it. He just won the championship. However, I don't... I'm not a believer that just because you won the championship... that ne- that I still don't feel like that necessarily locks you in as the best player in the league. I don't necessarily believe that. And I use Kawhi Leonard... Um, I use Kawhi Leonard as an example from 2019, right? I believe that year that LeBron James, like I do now, I believe that LeBron James was the best player in the 2019 season. But, and a lot of people will counter be like, well, they didn't make the playoffs. Like, how could the best player in the league not even be able to lift lift his team to the champion, or not to the championship, to the, at the very least the playoffs? And what I'll say to that is, if you watch that season, you'll know that before the Lakers not only had injuries with LeBron, but injuries with Rondo, injuries with Brandon Ingram, that team was fourth in the West heading into uh, close to All-Star break, or at the very least Christmas, if I'm not mistaken. So that team was clearly uh, uh, contending and, and playing a lot better than other than some of the other teams. So they were in that mix. They were in that top five. They were the fourth seed. So once LeBron went down, I think that team lost like 18 out of like, 20 something like 22 23 games or something so they were well below 500 at that point once he came back and he did try and put on a heroic effort and try and he tried to will that team back to playoff contention when he came back but I feel like it was a, it was a little uh, too late at that point and he also had to get his, his feet back under him from recovering from his groin injury so and what do I mean by all this with with Kawhi Leonard Kawhi Leonard won the championship with the Toronto Raptors that year um, however, there's some caveats to that. Now, the Golden State Warriors were injured, and I can already hear a lot of people in the comments. Injuries are a part of the game, you know. Blah, blah, blah. Injuries are a part of the game. That is, injuries are a part of sports. Period. But I feel like when you're looking, when you're examining history in sports, you you have to account for everything. I feel like you you can't just like not acknowledge injuries happen, right? I feel like that would be a disservice. Okay, so you got to look at Golden State right? No KD. KD literally played like 10 minutes and score and dropped like three threes, right? Like he was, he, he had like 11 points and then he went out. So who knows what could have happened if he was injured, right? And then you look at Clay. Clay obviously tore his ACL and he was out uh, uh, in the middle of the series. And it was like, it was really just Steph in, in, in that last, you know, three, four games of that, uh, of that NBA finals run. And personally, I'll go as far as to say if Clay had stayed healthy the entire series, I can even make a real argument that they could have won without KD and they could have pushed that seven games. A lot of people will disagree with me on that, but that that's just how I feel personally. Um, so anyways, Kawhi Leonard won the championship with the Raptors and a lot of people crowned him the best player in the league. And I feel like that's kind of unfair. I still feel like LeBron at that time was still the best player. His team, which was just injured, uh, you know, right through one, one through twelve, pretty much every guy on that team was injured. Lonzo was injured, and so on. And also, you know, uh, Kawhi Leonard just had better a better team around him. So that's why I don't necessarily believe that just because you won the championship that does not necessarily make you the best player in the league. That's just me. A lot of people will say, "Well, you know, you won the championship. Like you're, you're, uh, you're the king at that point. Like who?" How how could you not say that? That's just that's just my personal opinion. Um, so I don't believe that Giannis is is the best player in the league because, like I said, you have to account for injuries. His team, the Bucks, as uh, as well as the um, as the Phoenix Suns, 
they kind of had a stimulus package on the way up to the NBA Finals in a lot of those in a lot of those uh, series. They had a lot of guys on the other team that were injured, so it definitely kind of helped them uh, get to where they were. Um, and then also, like once you once they got to the NBA Finals, I feel like they were, I feel like they were facing a team in the Phoenix Suns that probably had it easier than them on the on their way to the finals. Because if you look at both teams and you just look at the conferences they're in, I would say it's more likely if every team were healthy, I feel like it is more likely that the Bucks would have made the finals just off of every team being healthy alone compared to the Phoenix Suns. I feel like the Phoenix Suns definitely benefited from a lot of these teams being injured, like the Lakers um, and like every other team that they faced. Now, look, you can't blame them right? They took advantage of it, right? Like that, that was my biggest complaint with the Utah Jazz. They had, they had that, that's, that series could have been theirs, right? Like the, the best player on the other team was injured and they didn't capitalize. So at the, end of the day, at the end of the day, you can't blame the Phoenix Suns for capitalizing on their opportunities on their way to the NBA finals. So it is what it is. Uh, but anyways, that is my top 10 players. Just I'll read it one more time just because I kind of ramble on there. Uh, I'll go through it quickly again. Number 10, got Dame. Number 9, Joel Embiid. Number 8, Anthony Davis. Number 7, uh, Nikola Jokic. Uh, number 6, James Harden. Number 5, Luka. Uh, number 4, Giannis. Number 3, Steph. Number 2, KD. Number 1, LeBron. Um, and this is the other part of my list. I feel like a lot of people will disagree on a lot of people are, are probably gonna instant I, I can already hear it LeBron's old LeBron's washed blah 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 and to that I'll say we are starting to see in a lot of sports that age is starting like age is always obviously going to catch up to you at some point but I feel like we're seeing a lot of players play still at a high level at a high level that they're known for a lot Later in their life, I feel like I kind of said that weird. Okay, we're seeing a lot of players that are still playing great at an older age, right? I feel like that's starting to become more common now. Like, I feel like 10 years ago, you would really see the decline on a lot of players once they hit like 30, even like 34, 33. But I feel like with the technology and the medicine and the everything that athletes have at their disposal, I feel like is allowing them in their bodies to stay healthier for a longer period of time. That's why you're seeing guys like Tom Brady, who's like, what, 43? I don't even fucking know at this point. He, This guy's still, you know, winning championships, and fuck, he's, he's pushing, you know, half a century. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that is something you need to take in, in, into consideration. So I, I have no doubt he'll still play at a high level. And I personally still believe he's the best player in the league. And like I said, he's going to have an entire offseason to finally – you know, get ready and get his body right. Because like I mentioned with, with Miami, the Lakers are in that same conversation as well in terms of they won the NBA Finals and they literally had like 40 days to prepare for another upcoming NBA season. Full shortened schedule, you know, uh, you know, fewer nights off. So that is a team that I feel like now has a full offseason to actually prepare and get themselves ready for this upcoming season. Um, alrighty, so that is it for my top 10 players heading into next season. And we're going to transition here now to the next topic. These are my top five sleeper teams, okay? Now, for those of you who don't understand what I mean by sleeper team, I'm referring to teams that I didn't mention in my top 10 and teams that I feel like are have a chance of, you know, making some kind of upset or making some noise that people just didn't expect. Essentially teams that could surprise people at the end of the day. So that is my, I'm not saying these these teams aren't going to win the championship or anything, but these, you know, maybe one of these teams on this list can possibly make an unexpected, you know, playoff run to like the second round or something like that. Um, so that is what I refer to when I say sleeper teams. Um, okay, so... I'm going to start from the bottom, and we're going to go to the top here. Uh, number five, I got Indiana. Now, this team made the play-in last year. They lost, but I feel like with a full training camp, and I feel like, like I said, with a full offseason, I feel like 
those guys are going to have a lot of time to develop chemistry. And obviously they got Karis LeVert who came in very late in the season. So I feel like he didn't have enough time to gel and acclimate himself with the Pacers. And they also, they got new leadership. They got, they got a new coach, their other coach. I, I can't even pronounce it. It's like Nathan Bjorg. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his last name. I'll just embarrass myself. Um, but they got a new coach. They got Rick Carlisle, one of the best coaches in the league, obviously, this guy played in the NBA himself. He's uh, he's won championship with the Dallas Mavericks back when uh, Dirk was playing. So this guy is a great coach, and I feel like he's going to help that team a lot. So uh, they're the one of the teams on my list. Moving on, we got Washington. I feel like Washington they did get better. Obviously, they still have Bradley Beal. Um, they uh, they made some pretty decent free agent signings, uh, and then they got guys like Kuzma. I've I've already talked to my friends about Kuzma many times. I'm not the biggest Kuzma fan. I think he's extremely inconsistent. He's a great player at the end of the day. Um, I mean, he's in the fucking NBA, right? He's You could literally take the worst player in the NBA, the guy that all just gets DMPs every night. You could take the guy that like nobody has ever like heard of in the NBA, throw him on, throw him anywhere, throw him in some court or even like an outdoor court, and he would fuck everybody up. So at the end of the day, when I talk about all these guys, these guys there's only like 400 players in the NBA. So I'm never going to fully, I'm not just ever going to shit on an NBA player. Cause at the end of the day, they're in the fucking NBA, right? They're, they're, they're laughing at this point. So I'm sure they don't care about what people like me have to say, but, uh, you know, I digress. Um, but they got Kuzma and they made some pretty decent free agent signings. So I feel like that team got better. Uh, then we got Chicago. Um, I was tempted to put Chicago in my top five teams in, in the, uh, in the East. Now, I feel like the team that I probably would have subbed them out for would maybe be Atlanta. But at the end of the day, after seeing what Atlanta, you know, and just remembering what they did in the playoffs, there was no way I could I could take Atlanta and sub them in for uh, for uh, for Chicago. But however, Chicago did get better. I think uh, they still got Zach Levine. I think Zach Levine is, is just getting better each and every year, adding to his arsenal. I, I feel like he's not just a guy that is just, you know, just athletic. He can shoot the three. He can, um, he can rebound. He can... He could play. He make plays for his teammates, and uh, I feel like he's just an all-around offensively. At least I feel like he definitely has a lot of room for improvement defensively on uh, on his game. But I feel like he's just getting better each and every year. So they still have him leading that team, uh, and then they got Demar Derozan. Uh, I feel like Demar Derozan has kind of flown under the radar these last couple of years in San Antonio. This guy's literally been like average, averaging almost a triple double, and just nobody talks about it. So I uh, got to give him some flowers. I think uh, it was good getting him. And then they still got Nikola Vucevic, a guy uh, that can space the floor and, uh, you know, two-time all-star. So I feel like that team got good. And also, I'm a big fan. Actually, to be honest with you, I think the most underrated pickup uh, that not enough people are talking about is Alonzo to that team. I feel like Alonzo is... I, I feel like that is just a perfect fit for Alonzo for uh, for the Chicago Bulls. So I think the team is going to possibly make some unexpected noise. Uh, number two, we got Portland. Portland is a team that I feel like this is probably their final year together at this point. Otherwise, I feel like that team has run their course. It's, you know, they really didn't do much. They re-signed Norman Powell. Uh, and they actually lost some guys. I'm pretty sure they lost, uh, uh, who was that young, that young up and coming center that they had, that guy that they drafted, uh, something Zachary, if I'm not mistaken, they lost him. Uh, and overall that team really didn't make much changes this off season. So they're kind of just running it back with the squad they had last year. So I feel like this is kind of their last, um, chance to be quite honest. Um, and they're really not. Like, I mean, I didn't mention them in my top five teams in the West, so they're clearly not top five. But I figure I, I at the very least, I guess I throw them in this sleeper team uh, list here. Um, and obviously, they got Damian Lillard. However, I will say I am a fan of the Chauncey Billups uh, signing. I feel like they've been due for a new coach for a while. I'm actually surprised that Terry Stotts lasted as long as he did in, uh, in, uh, in Portland. But anyways, the number one team... I have on my list for for my sleeper team list is the Memphis Grizzlies. I feel like the Memphis Grizzlies are out of all the five teams I've named. I feel like they're the most likely to actually like make a real like upset happen in this upcoming season because they got one of my favorite up and coming players in the league, John Morant. We saw very briefly when they went up uh, in the first round against uh, Utah, if I'm not mistaken, 
dropped like 40 his first playoff game. So the potential's there. Uh, the writing's on the wall. I think they just need to continue building around uh, John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. Okay, so that is going to wrap up my sleeper teams. Now let's move on to MVP predictions. We're going to transition to the awards of the NBA, my early season predictions. Now these are tough to make because like I said, this is the season hasn't, hasn't even started. You know, I, I made this list with the intent of like, you know, give my best personal, because I, I consider myself a, a very, a, I consider myself a decently educated NBA fan. That was that was a lengthy title. I just crowned myself. I, I don't know. I've been watching the NBA for a little while now, and I'm a huge basketball fan. I feel like I have enough knowledge at this point. I'm definitely not like some expert. You know, I I'm definitely not better at basketball than, than most people are. But I feel like I've been observing the game enough to to provide a pretty decent analyzation and opinion. So that is kind of like my mindset going into these preseason picks. Now, maybe all these picks are going to be fucking terrible. Maybe they're going to age horribly. Maybe everything I'm saying is just going to be completely lost. And, you know, at the end of the day, I got to take that one to the chin if that's the case. But I feel like I feel pretty confident in these uh, in these picks here. So anyways, let's get into MVP predictions. So in no particular order, I got my top five candidates to win it. I got Giannis, Jokic, Luka, KD, and LeBron. Okay, so Giannis, I feel like Giannis is very similar to Russ. This guy plays every game, gives 100, 150% every game, and you know he, he he walks out of bed and gives you like almost 30 and 15 rebounds. So those are obviously great MVP numbers. So you got him on the list. Then you got the reigning defending uh, MVP, Nikola Jokic. Um, and I feel like he's going to come out and just continue, continue balling, continue, you know, with those insane no look passes and almost averaging a triple double. Uh, so, uh, you got Jokic, then you got Luka, Luka, the leap Luka has taken, he's only been in the league for like, what, this is his fourth year now. This guy has just taken incredible, he, incredible leaps each and every year. His numbers are, are just insane. Just alone. Now I know it's not all about numbers, but this guy gives you like what 30 and like 11 rebounds and like 13 assists, like fucking just 2k numbers essentially. So obviously, uh, that is, um, those are MVP numbers, but also I'm hesitant to say if he'll actually win it because I don't know if his team will have the seating to, uh, to, uh, to, to, um, to back, to validate him being an actual MVP winner this year, because that's what happened with Steph last year. Every, everybody was saying, oh my God, like why, why did Steph not win it over Jokic? Like for people that said that, like, if you look at the MVP with, Russ aside, because he made history averaging a triple-double since Oscar Robinson, every player that has won the MVP won it obviously for their their individual performance and their value to their team, but also seeding is 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 what really matters as well. Like like I said, aside from Russ, you've never seen a guy win the MVP as like the seventh seed. And I'm pretty sure Steph's team, uh Golden State, I'm pretty sure they were like the seventh or eighth team. So while he had MVP numbers, the guy was averaging like 30, his team just didn't play well enough to uh, to help to help escalate him to win the award. So you got uh, Luka, then you got KD and LeBron. Obviously, LeBron and the Lakers, I expect them to be like fourth or third in the East, but I just feel like there's too many stars and too many other superstar players around him to really... I feel like that'll kind of go against them in terms of MVP. But like I said earlier, I don't think LeBron cares about winning individual accolades anymore anymore anyway. Um, so in that sort of uh, that sort of argument, I'm also going to apply that to KD. KD's got two other superstars around him, and I also don't feel like he's chasing any more individual accolades anymore. So I don't, I don't expect neither of those guys to win it. However, I just threw them in my top five candidates. Now, if I'm going to pick one player who I think will win it, who I think is going to win the MVP, I'm going to go with Giannis. I think Giannis is going to seal the deal and win his third MVP, regular season MVP. So that's my MVP pick. All right, so let's move on to the Defensive Player of the Year. All right, so we got, here's my list. We got Rudy Gobert, the reigning, uh, these are my top five candidates, by the way. So we got Rudy Gobert, the reigning defending uh, defensive player of the year. Now with Rudy Gobert, he's won it three times now, if I'm not mistaken. 
uh, or twice, either twice, I'm pretty sure it's three times. Out of all the times he's won it, last year's was the one that I feel like he deserved to win the most. So if he just keeps that up and, you know, gives you like three blocks a game like he normally does, he'll probably win it again. Um, then we got Ben Simmons. Now, Ben Simmons is tricky because everybody, anybody that's been following the NBA knows that he is trying to pull a James Harden and manually get himself out of the situation that he's in right now with uh, with Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is not budging it. They, you know, they're going to trade away an all-star player like that. They're going to want to get some, some, some good compensation and some good players back in return. Obviously, it's going to be tough to do that because a lot of teams just don't seem to be willing to pay the big price, pay the big dollar for Ben Simmons. So it's going to be interesting where he goes. Whatever team he goes to will ultimately depend on if he can win the award because obviously everybody knows one of his strengths as a player is he's a great defender, right? All all NBA defensive team. So, you know, the writing's on the wall right there. Everybody knows the kind of player he is on that end of the floor. So you definitely got to throw him in that conversation. Um, then we got... This is this might surprise some people, but I got Julius Randle on this list. Now, Julius Randle was a great defensive player, and I feel like last year was a great sign. I feel like what he's capable of doing, especially with the Knicks, because the Knicks have are slowly kind of developing a culture of like grit and grind, and and I feel like a lot of that is attributed to Tom Thibodeau. Everybody knows that Tom Thibodeau is one of the best defensive-minded coaches in the NBA, and I feel like that uh, that influence he has is a, is reflecting uh, greatly on Julius Randle. Not that he wasn't a great defensive player prior, but I feel like he's really thriving under Tom Thibodeau's leadership. So I feel like he's a guy that could be in that conversation of defensive player of the year. Then uh, my last two pretty easy ones, I got Giannis and then I got AD. Um, if AD's fully healthy, and I do expect him to be fully healthy at the very least at the start of the season, if he can maintain his health and maintain playing consistently and not missing like one in three games, everybody knows AD's a monster on the glass and he's a monster defensively. This guy can literally guard like one through five. Like I've we, we've seen him guard, we've seen him switch on a point guards on defense and really be able to hold his own. Um, now, obviously, every 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 player has been cooked, and you know at least once or another it happens. But for the most part, he has a lot of uh, defensive highlights, so everybody knows what he's capable of on that uh, end of the floor as well. So eighty, got to throw him in there, and then Giannis. Giannis is a great defensive player. This guy's won; he's already won it, so we already know he he can do it uh, and probably do it again. So, anyways, now who do I think will win the defensive player of the year? I am going to go with Anthony Davis. I think Anthony Davis will win the Defensive Player of the Year. Excuse me, sorry. I'm just drinking some coffee here. Okay. So the last uh, award I'm going to talk about is Most Improved Player. I'm not going to give a prediction for Rookie of the Year. I've always said I think Rookie, Rookie of the Year is like one of the most meaningless awards in the NBA because if you ask someone who's in the NBA or someone who who's played an entire career and, and if you ask them like first of all okay if I didn't know who let me think here let's say I didn't know who uh who's like a Hall of Fame player I can just admit okay let's say I didn't know who Shaq was right or let's say I knew of Shaq but I didn't know uh his his resume in great detail. Let's say I asked Shaq, yo, Shaq, tell me, uh, tell me your awards. You know, what have you won? I guarantee you the first award he's not, he's going to tell me is, is going to be like, oh, I've won, you know, uh, four championships. All these NBA players, they're not, the first award to come to their mind is not going to be rookie of the year or all rookie team for that matter. So personally, I just feel like rookie of the year is such a pointless award. And I feel like the 2000. Uh, 18 season, I think, is when uh, Ben Simmons won it, or 2017, one of those two years. Whatever year he won it, I feel like really validated how I felt about the Rookie of the Year award because I personally think that was a robbery. I feel, I, I understand he was redshirted, but I, I still feel Donovan Mitchell deserved it way more than him. His team actually uh, had more success in the playoffs that year as well. Um, now, I know both teams been to the playoffs, but I mean, I feel like Utah personally played a little bit better against uh, the Houston Rockets. I think they took them six games or five games, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, And I, I've, I've always just thought Donovan Mitchell is just a better player, period. 
And I think that was pretty clear, at least from my perspective, in that rookie year. So I've always just kind of thought rookie of the year is a meaningless award. I think it's kind of just silly. And I really don't think players actually care about it. Like, I, I like personally, I don't think, um, like, uh, like, see, I don't even remember who won it this year. I think, was it? Was it LaMelo that won it? Either way, if LaMelo won it, I don't think Anthony Edwards would give a fuck. If Anthony Edwards won it, I don't think LaMelo would give a fuck, right? Is it, because it, it's your rookie year. Like, you're never going to reach your potential in really your first, like, three to four years of being in the NBA. So, like, what 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 does the rookie of the year really say about a player, right? That's just my opinion. Um, but anyway, so we're not going to talk about rookie of the year. We're going to end the award predictions off with most improved player now to be quite honest with you with with most improved player i feel like this was the toughest uh list to make because most improved player is one of those awards where like it's really tough to kind of make a prediction i really had to sit down for like half an hour to be honest with you or like maybe not that long but like you know 15 20 minutes to like really figure out like who could be on this list? And I'm sure, you know, people will disagree with this list and I'm sure they could probably, they'll probably, you know, have their own, you know, uh, people they feel like that should have been on this list, but this is just a list that I came to. Um, so here we go. My top five candidates are Lonzo Ball, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Dante DiVincenzo. I got him from the Milwaukee Bucks. I got John Collins from the Atlanta Hawks. And then I got John Moran from the Memphis Grizzlies. And I also didn't mention Shea Gilders Alexander, Alexander, for those who don't know, plays for Oklahoma City Thunder. And the Lonzo obviously plays for Chicago. So those are my top five candidates to win most improved player. Um, now, I was going to make another list and do uh, predict, or, um, potential first-time All-Stars. But I didn't make that list because I kind of just feel like that just sort of ties into most improved player because I feel like most of the time when a player wins most improved player, they also were an all-star that year for the most part. So I didn't make that list, but I will, I mean, I could just talk about it anyways, to be quite frank with you. Um, and I'll just kind of include it in the most improved player list. Now that is the top five. Like I said, I'll repeat it one more time. Got Lonzo, Shea, Dante DiVincenzo, John Collins, John Moran. Who do I think will win it? I originally thought Lonzo was going to win it. But I actually think I'm going to change my pick to John Moran because the Memphis Grizzlies, I like I said, I got them on my sleeper team list. And we have all seen what John Moran is capable of. I'm, in my eyes, he's already pretty much an all-star anyways. Um, he, he's The numbers, they speak for themselves. And I, he, he's, he makes plays for his teammates. He's a great scorer, can shoot the three, can play defense. You know, he's he's, he's got all the tools to do it. Um, I just think, it, like I said, I think it comes down to the Memphis Grizzlies uh, front office just kind of surrounding him with more talent to, to help elevate him, lead that team. So I think John Morant is going to win most improved player. And then Joel saying, so the question of first-time All-Star, I think out of this list, I would probably... I would probably go him first. Second, I would probably go Lonzo. Third, I would probably go um, Shea. Just because I feel like Shea, Shea's a great player and he just signed the big bag to stay in OKC. But I feel like that team needs to make a lot of personnel changes to uh, if they really want to contend, at least for the playoffs. Because I feel like there's not enough talent around him. Um, all right, we're almost done here in this episode. We are going to talk about our last segment here, which is the amp, uh, the NBA championship prediction, right? So I got two teams here. It was hard to pick one. I think the team that's barring injury, okay, barring, you know, catastrophic injury and whatnot, I think the two teams that are going to, that, that could win it, you know, one or the other, I think it's either going to be the Brooklyn Nets or the LA Lakers. And I feel like that's not a big shocker to everybody. I feel like every, I feel like the majority of NBA fans kind of share that opinion, um, unless you're like delusional and you think, you know, I, I don't know, Sacramento or Detroit Pistons are going to win it or something. Uh, but if you are like that, uh, then you probably share the same uh, opinion as me. Now, I was going to pick one, but I feel like it's so tough because these teams are very similar, not necessarily in terms of like personnel, but I feel like in terms of like the narrative around them. They got three superstars uh, and they got a pretty good decent amount of role players surrounding them. Um, so yeah, 
I think that's going to conclude today's episode, everybody. I think I've talked, I think I've really discussed everything about this upcoming NBA season. So uh, anyways, anyways, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up. Um, make sure to follow all my social media, follow my personal account, Nicholas.Doucette at Instagram, uh, and just, you know, across Twitter and everything, and, and uh, then follow the podcast account on Instagram. It's at Unbashful, and that's also the user, uh, like I said, all across Twitter, Snapchat, etc. So make sure to follow those to stay up to date with any, any, any updates and things of that nature. Um, and episode two is going to air next Sunday. Or, or sorry, episode three is going to uh, uh, air the following Sunday. And I actually, I guess this is a good opportunity to discuss. Uh, I do actually have a guest coming on for that third episode. I'm not going to announce it on here because uh, we're still sorting a couple things out. However, I will be interviewing him for episode three. If you want to know who that is, I am going to be posting it on my social media. So make sure you guys stay up to date with that. If you want all things news of what's going on with the podcast, I'm going to be announcing him, uh, who I'm going to be interviewing over there. I'll give a little tease. He is a writer. He uh, He's actually, he's critically acclaimed, internationally acclaimed. He's won awards. So, and he's in uh, the films, just the uh, the film industry, the film space, which is what I am trying to, um, to, uh, to get into. So he's a big film lover like myself. And I think we're going to have a great conversation. But I'll announce who he is in a couple days. Anyways, guys, I think that's it. Until next time, I'm going to see you on episode three.